21 Media presents The BBL Show With your hosts, Jay Marriott and Drew Lasker Welcome to the BBL Show, episode 5. I am Jay Marriott. He is Drew Lasker, bringing you all things British Basketball League related. We have GB International and former Worcester Wolves player Kofi Josephs joining us for an in-depth talk on mental health. As promised in episode 4, this is something we wanted to give a bigger platform and Kofi has kindly put himself forward to share his story with you, the listeners. We then had to make some space to honor Kieran Achara, NBE, unbelievable news for the former GB International in Glasgow Rock, a great player, but an even better person. So we're excited to get his thoughts on being bestowed the honor and life after basketball. But before all this, we are going to go to our weekly roundup. Drew, should we start with the negatives or the positives? Uh, I'm feeling kind of the positive vibes now. So let's let's start with the positives. Oh, I like it. Throw me a little doozy right there. Okay, so the season is racing upon us. Teams are scrambling to be ready. Preseason games are popping up here, there, and everywhere. The London Lions played a five-quarter behind-closed-doors game against Surrey Scorchers. Not much to report there other than a reported 41-point outing by Dirk Williams. Remember, there's an extra quarter in there, though. The Lions then hosted the Bristol Flyers, where we only have stats and reports to go from, but look like Bristol tired down the stretch, something a lot of teams, I think, are going to have to deal with. Most teams have a lot of talent this year, but it's the Lions' depth that I think will overwhelm a number of teams. What do you think? I, I, I totally agree. Like, we talked about this in previous episodes. Like, that team with the depth that they have, there's no reason from a defensive standpoint, like, they should be able to dominate the league with that athleticism added as well. But at the end of the day, you still have to do it. So, you know, that that's the question. Will, they, will the motivation factor be there? And so I'm looking forward to it. But on another note, Jay, I, I said that I wanted to start with some positive news And I have some very positive news for you, my man. I got a special guest in the house for you today just to throw you a little curveball to open up the show. So I'm going to go ahead and bring him in. (laughs) We got Kipper Nichols in the house. Yeah. Yeah, what's going on, man? What's good? Man, I I heard you've been having some stuff to say, Jay. What's up with that? I I, I feel like they're trying to create some beef between us already, my friend, and we haven't even had a chance to officially meet. So, uh, (laughs) you know, I don't know where this is going, but I like it. Yeah, get on him, young fella. Get on him. Yeah, my (laughs) man, Jay, Jay, you've been hard on a young fella, so I want to let you face him face-to-face so you can tell him to his face. uh, All right. And settled it that way. We that's yeah, how we, that's how grown men settle things. Absolutely, right. absolutely. No, I think um, for sure you you have definitely put me on the spot right there, and it's very unusual for me to be at a loss for words. I wondered when we would be seeing Kipper. We were definitely going to get you on the show, but how have you found preseason? Never mind what I think. How have you been finding preseason so far? It's been all right, man. Um, just getting adjusted. I think for me, the biggest thing has probably been the refs, man. Probably been the refs, the, the, you know, like the the nuance on on uh, the way you can play defense. 
and, uh, you know, just, just different calls that you got to be aware of. So yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, we brought that up with Mike. We kind of laugh a little bit because we know that that is quite a popular topic when players first come in the league, especially when I was coaching in this league, you know, just kind of taking that time. And I just wondered, did they, they kind of have some fun with you early on? Because I'm sure Coach Lyons has been there and, and he's had a number of players that I'm sure have had to adjust. Did they just say, relax and, and get you ready? If by have fun, you mean blow their whistle a lot? <laughs> they will do that. <laughs> That's what you meant. Yeah, no, they, they had a good time in that case. Um, nah, but uh, yeah, a couple older guys after our first game, you know, I remember specifically just coming up and, and you know, just telling me, hey, listen, it's, it was the same for me. My first couple preseason games. As a matter of fact, Ben told me, you know, his, his first time around, he fouled out his, I think, maybe the first two games. So he, you know, he uh, got in my ear and, you know, just let me to let me know that, uh, you know, it, it'll be all right. You'll you get used to it and, you know, to uh, stay steadfast. So, yeah, yeah for make sure. sure. Make sure you gravitate to those refs. And we talked about this on previous episodes, Kip, that there is an adjustment period for rookies like that. The fans and other people don't see like it's not just the on the court adjustment. It's everything right. You have to adjust to a. am assuming this is your first time in England. You got to adjust to the culture. You got to adjust to the time change, the food. And on top of that, you're coming into a country that's on a little bit of lockdown. So you're not able to kind of hang out with your teammates like we normally do during preseason. And so I feel like this extended preseason is going to help guys like yourselves, rookies, because to be honest, in a British basketball league, we never have this much time to prepare for the season. So it's going to be an advantage for you to be able to adjust but just talk a little bit about the off-the-court adjustments that you've had to make so far. And what do you think of England? It's been different. Like you said, it's been different. Well, first of all, I, I love England so far. Like like you said, what, I, what I've been able to see of it, I haven't been able to get out too much. But for the most part, anytime I've seen somebody, you know, walking down the street, everybody's been nothing but nice. So from that standpoint, it's, it's been great. The time change has been a little bit difficult. But uh, as far as, you know, getting in a rhythm and um, – Sleeping wasn't that wasn't really difficult because you know going to practice you'll get tired and you come back and you get in that rhythm pretty quick. But yeah, I think the, I think the biggest thing is probably the time change, getting times down to talk to my family and and things like that. But other other than that, man, it's it's, it's been good. It's been good thus far. They got you driving yet? You driving? You experienced this yet? They're still working some things out with the uh, technical stuff. So my roommate, my roommate Antoine, he's he's been driving everywhere, man. So that's I got a personal chauffeur or whatnot. Oh, nice. And, uh, I Are just, you I taking notes on the on the side he, of the road and? Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and, and anytime we get a ticket, he take care of that. So. Oh, nice. I, I, I you got tickets already, man. Just make sure when you do get in that driver's seat, you look on the correct side of the road before you yeah, turn. Yeah, nah. so. it, it's it's crazy. Every time we turn the corner, I'm scared. I'm like, bro, you about to get into an accident. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we're on the right side. We're on the right side. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. Well, hey, we appreciate you coming on and making a cameo. We uh, we'll, that was awesome. <laughs> we look for we wow. look for the uh, expression on Jay's face is priceless. He's, <laughs> oh, he's professional when it comes to hosting this thing, but I got you, baby. He <laughs> he, one hundred percent got me. But <laughs> hey, I respect you coming on, Kipper. Thanks so much, man. I appreciate it. No doubt, man. Thanks for having me, bro. Anytime. Absolutely. All right, good brother. Luck, Speak to you soon. This, good luck this season, except for when you play Newcastle. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I right, respect. Take-
Oh, man, appreciate it. All right, take care, man. Peace. Yes, sir. See ya. Awesome. So, arguably the biggest story breaking, staying on the subject of the London Lions, is between episodes is Matthew Bryant, a man in NBA, leaving the London Lions after one European game. I have expected some turnover at some point here. Too much talent, pride, egos, but a preseason biggie right here, stoking fires across social media with his tweet. I quote, don't trust anyone. That's a big statement right there from Matthew Bryant of Manning. And um, I actually got an opportunity to uh, speak to him yesterday and he wanted to uh, leave a statement here on the BBL show. And I paraphrase here, but he just says, he's always wanted to play for London as it's a dream come true playing for my hometown club. Unfortunately, it didn't work out, but I'd like to thank the London Lions for the opportunity. And he also says there's always potentially a chance that he could be brought in at a later date. So watch this space. Yeah, interesting last comment there, I think. And and that could probably allude to where the issues were. But I think that we'll just leave it at that. I think it's important that to some respects we want to get behind the scenes, but we also have to respect that club and player are, are kind of dealing with that situation. Just whilst we're staying on the, the subject of preseason, obviously last Friday's game was called off due to a potential coronavirus outbreak in the Leicester camp. Drew, we kind of spoke about it literally as, as that story broke and you were very relaxed about it in terms, what I mean by that is I think you're kind of accepting that this is going to be the new norm. This is something that, that the players are going to have to deal with. What are you anticipating moving forward? Yeah, you're right. I I mean, this was no surprise to me. I think tentatively, we were actually supposed to possibly be playing the Leicester Riders in a friendly game coming up here soon, but obviously that's been wiped away. But I think for our listeners out there, be prepared to see a model similar to the NFL right now. The NBA was kind of a unique circumstance where they got to actually play in a bubble and keep everyone in one general spot. But for other professional clubs that's moving around, this is going to be the new norm. All it takes is with the with the guidelines in place is that if there's one person within your team that gets it, you got to be ready for the whole team to be able to, to be ready to self-isolate for two weeks. So to our players out there, be careful where you put yourself, because most places now you have to check in with the track and trace. And obviously, if someone's been there and you've been in at the same establishment, you must self-isolate for two weeks. So I am anticipating there's going to be guys in and out the lineup all year. There's going to be teams mm-hmm. that's going to have to shut it down for a couple of weeks, and there's going to be games that's going to be postponed and moved. Yeah, I mean, has it been frustrating for you because over the sort of last couple of weeks, you have seen a number of games kind of looking like they were going to happen, then they had to be moved. Has that been frustrating for you rhythm-wise? Because like you said, you know, it's kind of fun to a point when you get the new guys in and you're betting in and you're looking at things, but you just want the games, preseason games. You want to get your rhythm. You want to get going. And one thing that I'm noticing is obviously since we've announced the new dates coming up for the season, you're you're looking at a lot of teams that have sat back, you know, Not, not relaxed, but they've probably sat back and thought, okay, we'll wait until there's more resources out there, there's more information as to what we're going to do. And now they're kind of accelerating those processes. Yeah, absolutely. I I totally agree with you from the standpoint of we've been in training camp a little bit over a month now. 
and I'm pretty sure this is evident up and down the coast with teams is that you start to get a little bit chippiness within practice because we don't have that outlet of playing those games with other opponents. There's more shit talking than normal within the practice because guys, you, you got to find that motivation because you're playing against the same guys day in and day out. So with that comes chippiness. And so uh, we need those preseason games. But am I frustrated? No, because I have the mindset that this is expected. And I'm personally under the mindset that you have to be ready to adapt at any given moment. That's just the way that this year is going to be. And as long as we can get back to plan some type of schedule, then I'm happy with it. I know it won't be what it's always been, but I've accepted it. Yeah, I've, I've learned the, the hard way tonight that um, we have to be ready for anything. Right, Drew? So that's, yeah, uh, that's, a, that's a given. A um, couple other things just on the, uh, on the weekly roundup. Obviously, the terrible news, to be honest, with Trayvon Wright, that the Surrey Scorchers going down injured. Great vet has been an exciting player around the league for a long time. It's gone a little bit quiet. I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. You know, just by the sound of having to have such a quick surgery, it sounds like it could be something pretty serious. But we obviously on the BBO show and the league are obviously wishing him well and he is in our prayers. Jumping over to a lighter note, obviously the last couple of days, Cheshire Phoenix have just come out with a fresh new rebrand. What do you think, Drew? Little little Marquette, little Michigan colors. I like yeah, it. It has a little bit of pop to it. It's It kind of catches your eye. When I was scrolling across my uh, Twitter timeline, it made me freeze for a few moments. So it's always nice that the teams in the league take that part of it serious because it's about the whole package. Um, if you're a club, it's about that marketing. It's about all of those things outside of just the basketball court that's going to help grow the teams the league and also get that fan engagement going but i like it yeah absolutely i think it comes at a good time i think that they probably held on to it for a little while i'm guessing with everything going on with the pandemic so they found that timing and and uh, hoping that's going to give some momentum going into the year we must find room for a, a shout out to recent wake forest commit cam hildreth for his Man. monster performance last weekend in the Lynch Trophy for oh, yeah, Division yeah. 1 standouts, the Word and Thunder. His stat line, here we go, 37 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists on 38 efficiency. That is a young buck right there in straight kill mode. How old is he again? 19, I think, 19. 18 or 19, something like that, and playing in a tough, tough league. I mean, obviously, the weight of the world is probably off his shoulders now. He's made this announcement. He's made his commitment. Big school, big expectation on his shoulders. So I think he can he can really just kind of ball out and enjoy. I got to spend a little bit of time with him just the earlier part of the year because a friend of mine was recruiting him. So I got to spend a little bit of time with him and his dad. His dad was obviously a great player and, and yes. still is a very good coach. I think the the kind of thinking and the program that he's got for Cam, I think he's only just going to get better and better. But staying the focus on Division One teams, who would you love to see leap into the BBL? First of all, shout out to Cam. That's amazing. I mean, just to put that out there in context Ooh. for our listeners, like Division One is, is is a great league, as you guys saw in the trophy final, us playing against Solon, and that game went into overtime and went down the wire. So 
those are grown men in that league playing for their livelihood. And you got a 19-year-old kid coming in and dropping stat lines like that. So that's just a testament to his talent and the people he's surrounded by. I know his dad. I played against his dad at Worthing. Great dude, great player. But, you know, Solon is obviously a name we can throw out there. I think they've proven that they can make the step up. Um, I like to see Worthing back in the BBL. One thing that stood out to me when I went to the game recently is they've still just got an incredible fan base. Oh, they're you know, amazing down it's there. It's just, um, it just is amazing down there. And you'd love to see that work. And obviously we've got Zaire Taylor himself doing his best Jackie Moon impression, you know, <laughs> owner, player, mascot, community coach, whatever it is, you name it. And, um, you know, he, he sounds like in just having a brief conversation with him that he's got a plan there. Yeah, yeah, that's what it sounds like. And they have the friendliest rims in the league. Uh, just a side note there, I have a career high there. It was in a trophy competition. I scored 50. But unfortunately, the stats aren't official. But I like to see them in the league because there, you know, you have those places that you walk in and your confidence is high because you know the rims are friendly. The Worthen Thunderdome is one of those places. Oh, that's right. I dropped a, a BBL high 16 points. So that's absolutely Ooh, nothing on you. But um, obviously all threes, you know, there's nothing getting me to the basket. But um, yeah, drop some, uh, drop some nice numbers with a friendly rim. One little shout out as well also is Red and Rockets. You know, I've always yes. thought really, really highly of them. They brought in some great coaching staff over the years. And I just think that they're ready to take that step also. But um, fans, you know, listeners, have your say. Use the hashtag the BBL show and you let us know. Maybe we're forgetting somebody to mention and show us some love for those D1 teams that we would love to see in the league. And lastly, let's just round this out with the NBA rumor mill. So currently, ex Sheffield Sharks coach Chris Finch is one of the front runners for the Indiana Pacers head coaching job. Just goes to show the BBL is a place to ply your trade as he would join Nick Nurse, currently of the Toronto Raptors. So a little bit of news right there for you guys. Now, without further ado, let's get to our first guest of the evening, GB International and former BBL standout guard, Kofi Josephs. Kofi, thanks for joining us, brother. Let's start by giving our listeners an update on the world of Kofi. We last saw you bringing silverware to the Worcester Wolves cabinet and gracing the GB international scene, but basketball isn't the whole you. So give us some insight. Well, obviously, everyone knows I'm a professional basketball player and stuff. And But yeah, there's so much more to me. Um, artists, like that's just gone flying. Amazing, like, by the way. Like, that wasn't supposed nope. to really be a thing. It was more so something that I could do outside of practice where I could just take my mind off practice or games. Obviously, I do modelling. I didn't modelling. That's the thing, though. I didn't modelling for a while, but then because of basketball, I kind of just stopped it. I focused on basketball. But because of COVID and everything, I ended up just getting scouted now and picking it back up again, and it's working out pretty well. That's really cool. I love it. And... um you know, obviously the 10th of October was World Mental Health Day. And in our last episode, we spoke to player coach Gareth Murray, referenced lockdown and the personal mm -hmm. effects on him. We also brought this up with Mike Tut. But I want to go on a deeper dive here on the pod. It's something I'm passionate about. And that's a stigma attached to male mental health. Across the pond, the NBA, DeMar, DeRozan and Kevin Love most notably have started to tackle this issue. And I want to see this show and the league start leading the way on these conversations here in the UK. 
for me personally, I have experiences I'd love to share over, over my time hosting on this show. When I get asked this question around retirement as a player mm-hmm. or stepping away from coaching, my first reaction is, you know, I've given my entire life up to now to this sport, heart and soul, body and mind. How can there not be some struggles, a little bit of identity crisis, some anxiousness, fear, transformation? And I mean, for me, that was surely a natural process. I adjusted well in some ways and hit the wall on others. But Kofi, can you share some experiences as a professional athlete that we may all be able to learn from and benefit? Professional basketball players, we go through so much. Even basketball players in general, from just like comparison of not feeling like you're good enough or always being shouted at, because obviously like it's coaching, you've always been shouted at. And that's not even being a professional. So then when you reach the professional ranks, you're comparing yourself with money, level, status. And obviously we're growing up in like the social media age. It doesn't really get much easier. It gets a lot worse. Do you know what I mean? Because a lot of the kids are dealing with it from early. But for me, I don't know. I think because I'm such a wild card, like as a person anyway, like anyone that knows me, I'm a wild card. I like to do what I want, when I want. And I don't really care people want to follow or not so when you're a bit of a wild card like that playing in like a team sport or if you're talented and but you're lazy and stuff like that and you've got big aspirations it can affect you do you know what I mean and um, it's tough like dealing with bad performances when you know that you're capable of so much more any athlete male or female they can definitely resonate with that but for me a lot of it really started with when I was younger not too young, probably when I got to the States, because that's where we really take the biggest jump, especially as a British kid. Like you've had all these dreams and aspirations, but now you finally get to live it. And once you're living it, it's usually different to how you saw it in your head when you were younger. And you're living it now. Like you don't have time to adjust. You've got to just get on with it. So that can really be, can be like a car crash, to be honest, mentally, because once you step foot off the plane, it's go, 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 as you know. So, um, yeah, dealing with that, being away from home, the whole collegiate system. And one thing that a lot of college players think about as well, instead of living in the moment, they're thinking about pro. Yeah, They're thinking sure. about pro early. Like, I want to, I want need to get these stats. I need to be able to do this. I need to be able to do that. And that creates so much more pressure. Rather than just improving and playing the game, you're thinking, uh, for four years, I need to average 20 points so that I can get drafted or I can go to this country. I can get that agent. So you've got so much pressure on you and it's just it's just on your shoulders the whole time. And I know that was one thing that I definitely dealt with and probably still deal with now as just wanting to always be better, always striving for more, wanting to get more money, wanting to have more status, more respect. And I don't think it's really something that ever goes. And one of the real tough things, especially for me, is like imposter syndrome. So like Drew, I was with you over at the Commonwealth Games and mm-hmm. I had a pretty good Commonwealth Games. That was my first time representing England. But to me, in my head, it kind of felt like I didn't deserve to be there. So when people meet me, it's always like I've got a chip on my shoulder and I play like that, right. which can be a good thing, but it can also be a bad thing because it's always go, go, go. And um, I know quite a lot of players that deal with that. And like when you deal with that over a long period of time, it can really weigh down on you. Do you know what I mean? Right. That's 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 interesting. And 
You know, that's surprising that you say that, that you feel like you didn't belong in particular to 2018 Commonwealth Games because you did put your stamp on that team and you definitely deserved and you proved you're one of our best players on that team during that year. So, you know, a lot of times I get people who ask me about you in particular. And one word that I use to describe you is eccentric. You're just you. Um, you like to do your own thing. And you're not really worried about if people want to come along and you're not really ha worried about if you're being judged on the activities that you like to do. And so I don't necessarily look at that as a bad thing. And I'm really happy to see how you've reinvented yourself during this time of quarantine with your artwork, which I thought was amazing. I was following that on social media and then also seeing you get into this modeling space and it looks like it's taken off really quickly so i'm really happy for you but you just talked about that feeling of not ever feeling good enough because i'm pretty sure the majority of pro players deal with that what advice would you give to our listeners out there that might be dealing with that how do you deal with that in particular it's funny because probably like seven or eight months before i made the england team it was the first time i ever made a gb team so i've never done any juniors for gb or england and joining a GB team as a senior, when you've never been in a setup before, it was it was so crazy for me. Like I thought professional basketball moved fast, but when you're in the GB window in the summer with such good players, that learning curve is actually insane. And so many players, when you talk to them, like what's it like being at the national team? Basketball players love to be super cool, man. It was cool, man. It was fine. It's like people that have got tattoos. You ask anyone that's got tattoos, oh, did it hurt? They'll be like, nah, it was fine. Bro, tattoos hurt. I've got a lot of them. Like, I'm not going to lie to you. So yeah. it, was the same with, it was the same with the GB thing. And when your brain's being fried every day, two, three times a day for like three months, it's crazy because you know you've got the talent to be there, but you're not performing as well as you should do because the only thing you remember is the last thing of that day. So you can't even really play your game. So that was something I really struggled with. So when I did get to England, it kind of just brushed over. Like it went, it went from GB, went straight over to the England thing when it really shouldn't have. But I think that's why I ended up playing well because I actually got to relax and just play. Yeah. But I think for something um, for, for listeners out there that maybe deal with something like that or how can they improve it is to just live in a moment. Like, I'm not even that old, but when I think about like my college days, I'm getting fla I'm getting flashbacks on Facebook it's like seven years ago, eight years ago. I'm like, wow, really? No way. And at that time when I was miserable, I thought it was never, ever going to end. And it's already been seven years. So I'd say live in a moment. Things really ain't as bad as they could be. Not to put down anybody's struggle, but I'd say live in a moment and Try and find the beauty in it and what you can learn. You'll realize it further on down the line, but it will really help you if you realize it a bit faster. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Can I kind of rewind a little bit as well? I, I just want to kind of talk a little bit more about your experience over in the States. And obviously, mm -hmm. you know, I've headed over there myself. There's lots and lots of conversations around the UK, you know, about the advantages, disadvantages. You know, every player's dream is to head to the States. I think if I analyzed my time over there, like it was just almost too much to process mm -hmm. too soon because the, the, the way the setups are here 
is, you know, you're used to playing a couple of times a week. You know, it then mm-hmm. goes into two a day, sometimes three a days. I think uh, my body was so far behind everybody else. You know, I had kids coming mm-hmm. out of high school, benching heavy, heavy numbers. I came in there, the proverbial kind of skinny kid, just trying to catch up the whole time. The school system, which I really, really enjoyed, but that took some time to, to adjust to. And then just mm-hmm. the lifestyle, you know, because mm-hmm. Plymouth was a lot smaller when I was that age and I was leaving to head to sort of California it was almost too much. You know, what I think would be of real value for us is, is what advice do you have to those players looking to do that? And then also as well, what advice do you have players coming out in their first year as a pro? You know, so I'm looking at Jordan Blount, who I coached here in Plymouth before he kind of headed to Spain. Then he spent time in the States. Now he's in his first season in Spain. I watched his first game on the weekend. And he was just kind of talking to me about a few bits and pieces of advice. And I played in Spain, so I just shared some little nuggets. You know, can you share mm-hmm. some things, some coping mechanisms? Forget on the court, off the court, how we can handle all this big pressure that we get. When I was in the States, it was quite mad because some of the things I experienced, I never thought I would. So, like, I've had two hip surgeries, and they both happened when I was in the States. And the doctors was telling me, like, you should probably quit playing. It's over for you. Mm. So getting news like that was shattering. Like I've finally done all of this, all these years, all these grafting, all the workouts after games that people don't see. I'm about to turn pro, and now you're telling me I should retire at 23. This is this is crazy. So dealing with stuff like that definitely molds you, and you either got to be resilient or not. So for kids that are leaving the UK that are going to go to the States. I'd say it's so hard. I talk to parents and kids all the time. And I'm just like, people generalize America like it's one place because it's, it's not. You could go to one school in one state and another school in a different state and your coach could be completely different. You could be at a, like some high school musical type school or you could be in the hood. Like I was in Jacksonville where it's dog eat dog and you got a coach that replaces players every week. So it's different experiences, do you know what I mean? But I would just say, go there and don't have expectation. Just keep your head down, work on your game, and don't be upset and don't be disheartened that they're maybe a little bit ahead of you. After six months or however long, then you can reevaluate. But as soon as you get there, you need to just be a sponge. You need to play your game, work hard, not back down. Because as soon as you get there, they don't respect us as British as British people, especially as British basketball players. They're like, you play basketball in England. That's disrespectful. Like, me personally, I don't like that. So I'm going at your head. So I feel like a lot of players, and we have a lot of gifted, talented players, I need to go there and not back down to the Americans. Go and play your game. Be confident and show what you can do. And you'll get comfortable after a while. Do you know what I mean? So I feel like that's really the biggest thing. And it depends on the, the kid. Going pro, it was tough for me going pro, man. Like, I bounced around schools. I had no agents after me. I, I think I went on the FIBA agent list and I emailed like 700 different agents in different languages trying to get a look. Wow. So for the kids that don't have to experience that, I would say don't think about how you envisioned being a pro when you was 13 because it's more than likely not going to be that. So if you already got high hopes if they don't match 
then you might be like a little depressed or xyz and obviously once you're there you're a professional you ain't got time to really be depressed you got to perform you got to practice you got to take care of yourself you got no one else to take care of you like you don't really have time for that especially when you're first out like you don't really know what's going on so you need to really have your head on straight and just embrace it i'm going into like my fifth year now and it's gone by so quick and even the ups and downs like you'll enjoy do you know what i mean living yeah. in the apartments with your teammates right when it's only two of you from that speak english and one's probably american and you both don't know any restaurants so you find your one two spots in the city you friends for life do you know what i mean it's those yeah. little things yes that you're gonna really enjoy like going to shops and no one speaking english and you have no idea like even find out about different cultures like in germany they recycle plastic for money like stuff like that you're just like they don't do that in england this yeah. is crazy like it's that little stuff that you really need to enjoy because outside of the basketball like it's life, do you know what I mean? And that's the things you're really going to remember. You're probably not going to remember all your games from however many years, but those type of experiences, you're probably going to remember. So, You must have an outlet. And I think one of the things that I love at this time in, in my life is being able to share those stories. So like you said, I mean, I, I laughed when you said City because my first pro job was in Hungary. And, you know, I had a Spanish agent and, they, and he called me up and he said, you're going to be playing in Budapest. You know, you, you're in a huge city. You're going to love it. It's going to be amazing. And I flew in and, and the guy who picked me up, who actually ended up being my coach, but I thought he was just a taxi driver. He didn't speak English. Picked mm -hmm. me up and took me about two hours into the countryside. And I was in a small village, you know, sort of getting ready to play. Just massive stadium right in the middle of nowhere. Uh, like you said, you know, no idea where you're going to go, no idea what you're going to do. But, you know, you just look back and you just you just think to yourself how much I just loved it. I wasn't there panicking. I was like, I am turning pro. And I made a pact to myself to try and take everything in, you know, around me and my surroundings and just learn from each situation. In terms of outlets, have you found kind of these other newfound talents that are coming to the forefront? Have those been your outlets or have you got particular people, you're in a circle that you feel you can speak to and be yourself? How have you found the best way to cope with those situations? Basketball was like, I haven't always been into basketball. Like I used to swim, I used to do martial arts, I used to do art, cooking, all that stuff at like a, a good level. And then I found basketball, so that became another outlet, but I never really let go of my others. So because basketball takes so much of my time, I had to cling on or I had to go back to my roots and find the stuff that actually made me happy because I'm such a perfectionist I might go 10 for 11 from the three-point line and people like you had a great game but I remember that one shot and mm. I remember that one shot till the next time and that kind of mindset can be good but it can be unhealthy at the same time but if I'm able to go listen to music make videos take pictures create art and not even remember that stuff I've got no conscience, do you know what I mean? Like, mm. it's on my mind. So that kind of thing um, where I can just be me creatively, I think it's one of the best things. And it's really hard for a basketball player, as you guys know. Only other basketball players really know, like, your struggles, especially, like, if you've had a bad game. Hearing, well, you've got another game next week is the last thing that you're trying to hear. Do you know what or, I mean? Or, or you had or you had a good game when you know you play terrible. 
Yeah, like that's the worst. To me, but that's the worst. The person that loves you, you can't really be mad at them. But I just need to be in my own space, not thinking about it in a healthy environment. So, whatever that is for other people, people know themselves. Do you know what I mean? You usually have the solutions yourself. So it's different for other people, but for me, it's like art or anything creative, really. You guys talk about that outlet. And one thing that I've realized by, you know, the more people have come out and talked about this topic of mental health is about how important it is to have that dialogue. So asking a question for both of you guys, have you guys, number one, ever received any type of counseling or is there someone that you can find into that you can talk your issues or problems throughout? Yeah, so I've got a psychology degree and at the time I was going through a madness when I was at university. And because I'm from the inner city and I'm like a black male, there's this stigma of like, we don't talk to anyone. So it, it was a blessing in disguise, to be honest. A part of my degree was that you had to go to five sessions of counseling of why you can't graduate. So for the first two sessions, I went there because I'm stubborn, I, I literally didn't say anything. But then my counselor came to a game and then we ended up talking about basketball, which was one of the things that was stressing me out. And then I realized how much of like that gray cloud that was just following me everywhere was gone. Do you know what I mean? I ended up feeling better. But um, yeah, even at Worcester this year, like I tried to get counseling, I had some stuff that, that went on like mentally that I just didn't feel good. And the thing with mental health, it comes and goes, like it's not something you can just cure. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, I've definitely had counselling before and because I've got that psychology background, I'd definitely say it's it's great. Definitely it's great. It's good to it's good to talk to someone. I think as a player, I didn't have a clue. You know, so as a player I just didn't have a clue. I was I was probably relatively old school in my style of thinking. Drew, we played together a little bit and you've seen me kind of in practices and stuff like that. And it's just you've got to tough it out. You know, mm -hmm. if if you had a great practice, then then good. I, you know, you, you ride the highs, and if you have a bad practice, you you kind of mask it over with a little bit of bravado. So I think two names that jump out to me is when I went into coaching, we we sort of brought on kind of sports psychologists and sports performance guys, and and two names for me, Dutchie Holland, in my first season, and in my second year, John Rhodes, were two guys that really came on board and showed me a completely different world you know, a, a world that is is trying to look at you, the individual. Mm -hmm. um, and they became a place for me to kind of bounce off my ideas or, or let out my frustrations and get some other ears on that situation. So I think they started to open my eyes a lot to what the benefits were of speaking to another male peer in that element. And I obviously went through like a pretty tough time early on in my coaching career. And I think that... Um, being able to being able to have that ability to open up helped mm -hmm. me move past some of those issues a lot quicker than I think I would have if I stayed in my caveman mentality. You know, so I got a great opportunity to head out to Utah and 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 coach with some great people, but was able to be out there with a best friend. And I think that we were able to connect on a deeper level and it and it really was cathartic for me. It allowed me to get rid of a lot of those what ifs? My failure came in my hometown. So mm. I've had a lot of success as a player, a lot of success as a coach, but none of it really materialized in Plymouth. How hard that is for me to carry that burden was incredible. That's my team. You know, like mm. I, that's what got me into the game. That was 
what I absolutely loved and the reason why I got into it. And I just wanted to make everybody kind of proud. So that was tough. And I think, yeah, Dutchy Holland, John Rhodes, a lot to thank to both of those guys. Yeah, I, I must say I commend both of you guys. You guys are brave for coming on here and being really candid about this topic. And, you know, we need more of it because in our sport, is it's about that, you know, battle through, tough through. But as we all know, like every player is going through something, whether they are showing it or not. So if there's anybody out there that would like to reach out to you and kind of share their problems or stories to you, do you have a social media handle that they can come follow you on or maybe reach out to you in a DM? Yeah, definitely. It's at Dej Kof, at D-E-J-K-O-A-F. It's funny that you say that because I wrote a blog post when I was going through a tough time as a player and I don't think I put it up for like eight months and then I ended up putting it on my story and I just left it there and I had so many basketball players message me like, bro, I'm going through the same thing. I can't believe you said that. I find I've needed someone to talk to. It's a breath of fresh air. Basketball players, like especially in the BBL, like you need to talk, you need to open up. Mm. We all go through a lot of the same stuff. So let's talk to each other. Half of us are friends anyway, but yeah. we don't, yeah. we're not on that level when we mm. can be. So yeah, for anyone that, that wants to reach out, hit me up, man. I think two things that kind of jump out to me as well is what you just said there as the BBL. I think you're absolutely right because people need to realize, and maybe it's our job as the show to kind of start to bring this to light, but you're looking at NBA players struggling with their mental health. You, you know, Kevin Love, DeMar DeRozan, I listened to a great podcast with him the other day and he was kind of saying, he just flippantly put it out there and then realized the, 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 the power of what he said. But mm-hmm. when you look at the BBL, you're looking at one-year contracts, mostly, for most people. You're looking to have to prove yourself. So Drew just threw out a little surprise for me there, brought on Kipper Nichols. You know, this kid's a rookie. We're going through a pandemic. He's got to come in here. He's got to perform. There's going to be an agent that's telling him that if he doesn't do X, Y, and Z, then next yeah. year it's going to be tough. There's going to be a coach that's asking him to play a particular role. And somehow between all of that, you've got to dial in and have a good season. And like you said, not jump ahead of yourself and get caught not being where your feet are, if that makes sense. So Mm -hmm. I think that's a great point. And secondly, I think what really stands out about this conversation, which I've really loved, is just you're coming across as so strong and so confident in talking about this situation. And that is so important because, to be fair, that's then strengthened my kind of testimony with mental health. And, and I only hope that this kind of small segment really in the bigger scheme of things is going to get the conversation going. And if just one person reaches out to any one of us or reaches out to the league, then I mm-hmm. think that we've, that we've made a difference. Kofi, man, you know, me personally, I'm really proud to see your growth, you know, being your teammate and getting to know you for a couple of years now, not only as a player, but just off the court, you know, that means more to me than on the court stuff, because like you said, people don't understand the stresses we go through having Mm -hmm. to live our life from a one year contract and not even one year, I'll say month to month. Because if you get injured, they can cut you at any time. So um, I'm glad to see you working on that at the light and preparing yourself, man. Just keep pushing, man. And here on the show, uh, we're cheering for you, man. Appreciate it, man. Everybody, I haven't quit basketball. Like I get messages and stuff like that. I haven't quit. <laughs> I'm still working out. I'm still sharp. I'm just yep. 
when hey, options and stuff. If that contract materializes, make sure that you come onto the show and let us know all about it, buddy. Because I would love to see you back on the court. It was really refreshing last year to see just the way you played. From your story as well, you're confirming what I felt was you just really came out of nowhere and you took that moment and I'd love to see it again. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. All right, brother. Will you be safe? Thank you, you for too. your time, bro. Please let us know if this conversation has impacted you using the hashtag, the BBO show. So grateful to Kofi for his time and honesty in sharing that with us. Yes. It was absolutely amazing. Now, we are excited to be able to lock him in for a quick conversation. Let's welcome in the room, former GB International in Glasgow Rock, Kieran Achara, M-B-E. Okay, Kieran, welcome to the show, my friend. A huge congratulations being honored with an MBE. What an incredibly proud moment for yourself. Just share with us some of your thoughts. You know, to be fair, it's still, you know, it's been nearly a week now, and I'm, I'm still actually in shock. Like, it's, it's one of those things that I remember when Fab got it back in, in 2016, I was like, wow, yeah. you know, Fab, I, I know he's like the heart of the community. Like, he's all over that i've only been doing it for like a short period of time so i'm like you know it's it's nice to be recognized but at the same time i'm like well there's so many more worthy people out there but at the same time i was like wow like someone genuinely must have went through the effort of applying for me and going through that process and i know it's not an easy process like you need like 20 references and this and yeah. the next thing so it's just it's just nice like i said that i think especially after my career coming back to the UK, it's kind of solidified my, my reasoning for coming back in the first place. I always talk about the whole uh, inspired generation after 2012, where I feel like I'm actually living that, and now I've kind of been, you know, that accolade kind of solidifies that in, 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 in retrospect. So I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm very, very honored and, and humble. Yeah, and I've seen the reaction from social media, and obviously you've had a great impact out there as messages is poured um, what does it mean for you, for the community, to come out and just give all those great, warm messages to yourself? You know, you know what? It's, it's a, and again, like it's a weird thing. I don't know if I want to experience this, but like that whole imposter syndrome. You know, there's, there's sometimes this kind of feeling that, like, are you doing? Like, are you are you capable of doing this? Are you? That just kind of you know validates it. It's kind of one of those things like, wow, the community is really behind that and, uh, and very supportive. And I think that there's always vulnerability in certain people, especially in certain transitions in your life and so forth, to trying to find purpose and clarity. It's kind of just kind of helped me reinvigorate. Like, I know what I'm doing is, you know, I'm, I'm doing a good thing. I'm pushing forward and I, I guess people kind of gravitate to that. So again, like I said, I'm just so honored and humbled and it's, it's great to see the community coming together. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, incredible to see it. It didn't surprise me. You know, I know how highly you're thought of in, in this game. And I think one of the things that stuck out for me in this whole situation, and Drew's spoken to me about it before as well, is the legacy that will lead. You know, you talked about 2012 and your motivations for coming back to the UK. And, and that was almost validation. And I absolutely love the fact that you're focused on the impact. You're not focused on the award yourself which you know you, you you quite rightly should be proud and i'm sure your family are i mean it's just me i i, I think of, you know, people are always saying oh, why are you deflecting this deflect it's not deflection <laughs> i i wholeheartedly believe in our, our especially our basketball community like i know like basketball is essentially 
helped my life to a whole different level I could never have envisaged growing up, you know. And I believe that there's so many kids capable of achieving goals, being successful. And I'm not just talking about basketball. I'm, I, you know, basketball is that definitely that tool to kind of, you know, it's the carrot to kind of help people get, get involved in certain things. But I come from a place that a lot of people don't even have belief in themselves that they can be anything. You know what I mean? That apathy is real. And there's, a, there's so many communities out there. Basketball is such a strong, powerful tool to help people believe that they can be something. You know what I mean? And I, I just feel that the more we kind of spread that love and spread that be positive role models within society, more people will start to achieve different things. And I also believe that sometimes we're very short-sighted in the basketball community because we, we, we judge success through accolades within the sport. But we're not looking at the, the kid who didn't, you know, didn't aspire to be anything. Now he's got an education and he's going on to become, you know, a social worker or, you know, a mentor within society. You know, all those little things for me is the is the real strength of the basketball community. Mm. And I I think that should be actually on you know the forefront a lot more than just the player who's made it to the highest level. Because in reality, no matter what. You're only going to have one percent, even if the population improves in the sport. Still, mm-hmm. only one percent. It just means that the level is now better. You know what I mean? What about the other ninety-nine percent? And I, I, so I, I think the message is clear that it's a great tool to learn that you can, if you work hard, you can achieve certain things. Teamwork, all these kind of soft skills you can learn from it. But the message has to be clear that I think more people should have belief, and I think that, yeah. like I said. From our sporting background, I think that we we've been very privileged to, to have that and experience that. I just think I just want more people to experience exactly the same thing. I'll add to that because that's one thing that I've said on this show before, and to any rookies or guys that's just starting off their career, is that the way you carry yourself, your character, all of that means much more. That adds to the pot of longevity which you've been able to enjoy. And this award, I guarantee you, is more so about that, the uh, impact you had off the court, than it has about the points that you being able to put the ball in the basket. So, yeah. you know, any guys out there, especially if you're playing in England, you know, there's a lot of community outreach that you're required to do for all these clubs. You know, a lot of guys moan about it. They go into it with the wrong attitude. Like, embrace being a role model and do it with yeah. a smile on your face because there is somebody always watching you. And so, again, we appreciate your humbleness and you coming on the show. And we want to make sure that we give you your flowers and make sure we celebrate a great moment for you. Well, thank, thanks very much. I really yeah. appreciate that. It, it makes up for all the finals that you beat me in uh, <laughs> you know, as a player. So, yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. So, uh, it's, it's, it's been fully deserved. And obviously, we welcomed uh, Kofi Josephs to the show earlier to share with us some of his personal experiences with mental health. Something as a retired athlete here in the UK, I want to encourage more people to talk about. Um, Whilst we have you here, I wanted to speak to you about life off the court, life after basketball. You know, what's the transition been like for you? Where can we find you these days? You know, I understand you've taken up some running. This Saturday, I will be attempting a 50-mile ultra marathon. So if you wanted to do any miles in... uh, in, in aid of me, I'll, I'll, I'll take that. But tell us a little bit about what you're up to. Yeah, so actually my, my main line of work right now is in mental health. I'm working for a company called Frog Systems. And I actually went to them because I, I see what they're doing. They're using the power of lived experiences, in essence. 
the kind of signpost support. And uh, I saw this and I thought straight away that this would be so powerful within sport because I know for a fact that a lot of athletes go through a lot of things and they're not comfortable really speaking out on those certain things because our culture, our environment before was to kind of be like, well, to have those feelings, those negative feelings or whatever it may be, that was seen as a, a weakness, you know what I mean? So first of all, I think breaking down that stigma is very, very important. But also that whole support mechanism, actually knowing that there's supports out there. So I'll give you a little background. I went back and did my master's at Northumbria University. And my, oh. my dissertation was on the athlete transition out of sport. And I got, you know, I, I won't name any names, but I got to interview some BBL athletes on their own transition process, going through the process. And I was saying that for me, it wasn't really education, it was therapy. Because actually listening to other stories, other people who had went through the transitions, what they did, what worked, what didn't work, what kind of emotions they were going through, I could then feel like I'm not alone. You know what I mean? I, I felt like, wow, this is something that I'm okay now. There's hope. You know what I mean? And I think just having that little bit of hope kind of helped me with my more, more of a, I guess I would say more of a positive transition than, you know, you hear a lot of the negative stories. So I guess I'd planned, I prepared, I took up exercise because that was something that people, you know, it was through all the people I've interviewed from, you know, guys from Romania, the, the States, everything they kind of talked about staying physically active because mm -hmm. In essence, the basketball court for a lot of us was our sanctuary. That was our escape. Then you feel like it's just taken away from you. You know what I mean? So that's where running came into it for me. That was my new outlet. So now I could just step out my door and go for it. I didn't have to go and book out a court and do this, do that. It was just there on my doorstep. It was accessible. And I'm not saying that I absolutely love running, but the feeling I get after it, now that I'm running a marathon next year, that's me setting goals. That's me kind of having a little bit more of a purpose, a little bit more of a drive. That's everything I've learned in sport and playing playing basketball. So it was kind of transitioning onto different things, but kind of staying in my comfort zone. And then also I'm doing, you know, even the stuff like the the, the commentary for the Rocks games, it's keeping me still involved in the sport to some capacity, yeah. which I really enjoy as well. So I'm kind of going through this. I'm actually sharing my story. I'm doing a lot of work right now with athlete mentoring. I'm, I'm working in the Premier League delivering um, uh, workshops, talking about the likes of you know, transferable skills, maximizing your network, all the things that I've kind of learned and I'm, I'm going through that same process, I'm actually sharing with others. So just to kind of help them get a head start. But the, the main piece of advice I would say for anyone, you know, when you talk about mental health, it's how do we keep that positive mental health? So how do we, what, what are your coping strategies? How do these things work for you? And then planning and preparing for life beyond sport. Mm -hmm. I think everyone's starting to do it. Well, everyone should be doing that, not to be scared of it, embrace it. We're more than athletes. And the, the more you realize that, the easier it becomes to then make those transitions. That's amazing. I just want to say to you personally, while we have you on here, because I won't even say the back nine, I'm on the back two of my career. So, <laughs> um, you know, I follow the things that you're doing on social media and just to see like, the excitement and the energy that you attack your day with and how happy you seem, it gives me inspiration that there is life after basketball and you can be completely happy and satisfied with it. So keep doing what you're doing, man. And uh, you're, you're definitely a true inspiration to us all. I really appreciate it. Thanks for your time. Appreciate it.
Hey, no props. We absolutely love hearing about the running stories as well. It did make me laugh when you um, when you were saying about how friendly everybody is when you're running. I was like, oh, that's exactly how I feel. I need to start putting these things out there. But um, yeah, good, good luck. If you need a partner, give me a shout. Need, I'm sure you need more luck than me. You know, that's, that's very true. You might you might see me on Saturday and change your mind about yeah. that marathon. Um, that's true. That is definitely true. Yeah, but we we love you taking this time and. And again, like Drew said, you know, giving you your flowers was so, so important to us. Um, you've been great for the league. And I think it was important for the show to be able to show some love. Kira well, Lachara, MBE. MBE. Man. Congratulations, bro. Thank you for coming on. Thanks, man. Okay, that's a wrap for episode five. We are always keen to hear from you, the fans. Reach out to us on all forms of BBO socials using the hashtag the BBO show. Drew. Hey, this has been therapy. This was you and I's vision when we pitched this show. Like, we want to talk about the on the court as well, but we want to cover those social issues off the court as well. So, again, we appreciate the support. Every day, like, I get a message for, from someone or I see a tweet, their support from the show. So, yeah, thank you out there, guys. Yeah, it does feel very nice. And uh, we've already received some financial support from some of you guys out there just keep it coming guys again that's going to cover the resources of the show because like we said in episode one where you see us today is not where we want to be so we want to continue to grow so you can do that with a small donation at anchor.fm slash bbl show slash support and again until next time the show the show Thanks for listening to the BBO Show. The BBO Show is a 21 media original podcast produced by Corey Mallory with your host, Jay Marriott and Drew Lasker. Keep up to date with the show by following the BBO on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, where you can find details on future episodes, events, and fan interaction. Until next time. <laughs>